and it is the precipice with me. I'm a person named Jobaltina. Only play wizards. And tonight we're chatting. As we do with the precipice, which is just my bullshit shows before I come on and we talk about cliff sides and how not to fall off them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty shocking. Uh, no, but but it does have a lot in common with what I do, which is run the expanse because it is all about gravity. Um, and, uh, but tonight I got uh, Zero Reynolds hanging out with us. Uh, Zero Jester. Uh, Zero, why don't you tell the folks at home who you are, what you do, and where they can find you. Feel free to drop a link in the, the little chatteroo. Yeah, folks. sure. Let me uh, go ahead and punch that in. Uh, everyone, my name is Zero Reynolds, a.k.a. Zero Jester. I am uh, your friendly neighborhood artificer. I am an author, an artist, a maker, a TTRPG content creator and instructor. You can find me pretty much everywhere online at Zero Jester, but I stream multiple times during the week over on Twitch, and I'm about to launch a new YouTube show where I specifically break down the tools, tips, tricks, and techniques for all the things I do from designing games to running games to creating prompts, painting minis, and all terrain. It's just, I'm all about all the various creative aspects of the TTRPG scene. Now, okay, all right, we didn't talk about this beforehand, and I'm, I'm gonna surprise uh, we're gonna Mori this thing. No, actually, it's the uh, <laughs> uh, that's actually really interesting to me. That, that what you just said, actually, like that, that sparks something, and I want to talk about that. Sure. So I, I've been playing I've been playing D and D and the like uh, since '90 uh, was when I, started, I first started playing. Very mm-hmm. pretty young, and um, where where I first discovered first encountered Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, I, I had heard about it on TV or something like that as a little kid, but like I was at the local hobby store. And when I say hobby store, a lot of people think like oh, like a game store or um, maybe a place with RC cars and models. And there mm-hmm. were those, but it was also like uh, crafts, like Michael's kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, like uh, my mom would go in there and get like yarn and, and knitting needles and all that kind of stuff. And it was a place called Hobby Castle when I was growing up. And so but they had hobbies and, and they had like model like cars and planes and lots. And it was owned by an old Air Force guy. Um, a lot of nice. RC cars were the big thing. Oh, yeah, it's great. And um, but they had all kind of variety of stuff, there. but they had miniatures and they had D&D. Miniatures are actually how I first really the first things I really bought were. For that, and actually, I played board games. I played um, before I played D anD D. I played uh, Dungeon uh, by TSR, which is a great. Re- the classic. I played the original Dungeon, and then I then I bought a copy of the classic Dungeon. I got when I was like eight. That's a fun game um, mm-hmm. and uh, really basic game, but like uh, got interested for it. And then saw the Dungeon Dragon stuff and all that. But it was a hobby store. Like whatever you're kind of into, you were kind of you were kind of doing. And so one thing I've been really interested in. And thinking about with role playing games, and it is a, it, I don't think it's a hot take because I've been thinking about it for fucking twenty years, thirty years. <laughs> but I don't call it a hot take. You know, that idea has cooled a little bit and simmered, mm-hmm. and if it's still sticking around for twenty, thirty years, it ain't a hot take anymore, buddy. It's a way of life. Um, but um, but it, it, the like tabletop role playing role playing as a hobby, mm-hmm. and so for me, that's always been kind of the thing. And I I'm, I've increasingly and one of my cl- my major claims I make. And I started, like, I feel like I had, I'm having you on here now. I'm just ranting about shit. But uh, one of my major claims was that one thing that, that fifth edition D&D really, really did, and critical role, I think, actually kicks us off more so than anything else, was that it allows for the divorce of the fandom and the hobby. Mm-hmm. That you don't, you can be a fan of Dungeons and Dragons and never fucking play the thing. Yes. 
never own any of the, the stuff that Wizard of the Coast actually makes because they don't make actually that much of it. They just license it out nowadays. Yeah. And so that's one thing I've always been, I've been kind of fascinated by. And so I'm kind of interested. That's why when we start talking about doing all the tabletop role-playing and hobbies, and in mm -hmm. a hobby, and you actually create stuff, and you make stuff, and you paint miniatures, and you actually invest time, and you craft things, then it's a hobby. Um, and I, I'm not. This is. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to disparage people. I want to be clear. I'm not trying to tell you like you're not a real D and D player if you don't if you don't make paint miniatures. I'm not not saying that at all. Nothing like that. I'm just saying like, it. What is a hobby is a fascinating concept. I'm kind of and it's shifted already. So what do you think that means for it to be a hobby? For the for D and D to be a hobby. Yeah. Or I well, mean, or, or, a hobby is in general. I mean, even a hobby like, in general. Yeah. So. D&D, &D, especially 5e, and I agree with you with Critical Role being a huge catalyst, especially for the explosion of it, um, is in and of itself now sort of a microcosm. Because unlike other properties where you might get things like fan art or music or maybe some sculptures, little trinkets and things like that, um, it comes pre-baked with all these various things already attached to it. You've got cosplay, you've got prop making, you've got mini painting, you have adventure writing and homebrewing, you've got uh, terrain making and all this cross-pollination stuff. So it's really of interesting of interest to me that, yeah, you could be a fan of Dungeons and Dragons and never pick up dice and you're just over here in your own little niche. Now, does that mean you're pursuing the D&D hobby? Eh, yes and no. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to gatekeep here by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it's also wonderful that you can have people who feel like they're a part of the larger sphere, mm -hmm. even if they're not necessarily involved in the game side of things. I think that's really nice. Because I, I think the one, the one difference between playing like now and when I was a kid was, it, it, to me, it's shocking how ready at hand everything is. Like if, yes. I, if I have money, I can just get whatever the fuck I want. I can go get the best terrain, super dope, all pre-painted, all pre-painted managers. I can just throw the money out there. We, I actually used to play when I early two thousands, early in college. I, I played forty k with this dude. His name was Randy, and he was a lawyer. And he would come mm -hmm. in with like a brand new fucking army every three months, fully painted. And we found out that he never painted a single one of the managers. We had no idea. <laughs> and he was just buying them. He was painting these college kids, paint them. And he was paying on peanuts. I mean, he was paying on like 500 bucks to paint an army. God uh, damn. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, but, and, you know, just for, even with it just for inflation, it was, you know, it was nothing. So, um, you know, it always kind of like, it, it kind of blew my mind. And now having that much access, especially the internet and being able to see people's work, it, it's really interesting to me. And I, I, I'm not saying like those people like aren't like real players, but like if I went out and bought everything and then played with it all, and am I really pursuing it as the hobby or not? It's kind of, to me, it's an interesting question because like, to me, hobby feels like crafting it. It's like, for me, it's like saying like, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, oh, my, my big hobby is like studying history, but all you do is listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you really studying or are you just like a fan of hearing about history? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, for me, it's a debate and I'm not, I don't, I don't have my mindset on either way, but I'm also like, I want to like, I'm really fascinated what the fuck is a hobby these days. <laughs> what does that even mean? Really, it's really going to boil down to, and much more clever individuals than I could espouse on this, but it really boils down to what is your threshold for level of participation versus affection? Yeah, I mean, where, you... where is that threshold? And, and, and who gets to dictate that threshold? That's the other big thing. Because yeah. then you start getting to some really troubling territory yeah no i'm trying to yeah the the, the dictation that was interesting too but I'm, I'm just kind of curious of like 
what is a hobby these days? Like, what, what, at what point is a hobby? Is it not a hobby? And um, mm-hmm. what do people consider hobbies? And I'm just kind of curious about that. So I, I don't know when you brought that up initially, I was like, okay, yeah, this guy's a ho- he's he's a hobby tabletop role player, like mm-hmm. like classically to me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like I said, I wouldn't, I, you know, they they sold fucking glue guns and shit in that place. <laughs> like, you know, that's where I learned about tacky glue and um, you know all that fun stuff. Um, and so it's, well, it's, it's it's also along the lines of it's like yeah, I can call myself a hobbyist, and I yeah. am, but this yeah. is also my career. That's another so thing too. It's that weird disconnect. And that's a that's a thing too. Like I, I can see you like working on something professionally. You're being you've been commissioned to do, and you're doing it. And then like you put that down for a second and grab the thing you're doing personally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like I mean, you're you're swapping hands there. You know, it's it's, it's true. It's true. Um, that that to me is really interesting too. Like that kind of like uh, that thin line, mm-hmm. you know, um, literally inches apart from each other. Yeah. Which is also why I tell a lot of people whenever they're first picking this stuff up, uh, particularly on the creative aspect of it, uh, do not monetize your hobbies. Not out of the gate. Just don't. Hey. Please don't. Don't do that. Um, see what you like about it first, because I promise you, the moment you turn it into something that's for profit, that whole idea of you do it because you love it flies out the fucking window. No, you work harder because you love it, but it's still work. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally forgot tonight, too, guys. I, I'm doing a, I'm doing giveaways tonight. Um, I don't I haven't been able to do it for a while because I, I used to do it on Heavy Metal Dungeon Masters when I was doing that Tucker. But uh, I have a ton of download codes for music. Like I have hundreds of them right now. I need to get rid of. And so if you enter and type in the word music into the chat. Um, more than likely you will win because there's not a lot of people here tonight, which is fine. But uh, I'll send you whoever whoever gets pulled out of the pool tonight. I'll send you three download codes of Bandcamp, random. Just get some cool music and listen to some cool tunes, with cool people. Um, but I, I want to make sure it's, I talk. Free, it's free music. It's Come free on. music, man. You can't get in on this. I always like Bandcamp's my favorite one because like it's like it's like you can get whatever like resolution of music you want, and it's such a diverse mm-hmm. set. And they actually treat their like they they're one of the fairest sites to sell on, to be honest. But um, very much so. So um. Okay, that, yeah, uh, thank you for, for entertaining that. I, that. What you said, though, about the hobby into the career relationship, with me too, because like that, that, that speaks to me, because when I, when I first started school, I started as a computer science major. And I was really into computers. I was a hobbyist. Like, I was building them and playing with them and toying with them constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, started, I started computer science classes, and I, got into this, I was in this networking academy for Cisco. I was really into it, and we had, they gave us tons of toys to play with there. It was a lot of fun. And I came home one night, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go unwind and relax. And I sat down on my computer and I was like, I don't want to fucking look at this thing. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. mess, you know, I don't want to start to start, you know, screwing with this. I've been doing this shit for the last like two and a half hours in class. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to me, that was kind of an interesting um, uh, point was uh, that you, you know, I, I I can't do this. I can't I can't do this anymore. So I, I you know I, I swapped majors up after that pretty quickly, um, mm-hmm. all for the better. I'll say it for sure. Cause it's got me somewhere somewhere in the life, I suppose. Um, but uh, you know, it's good. It was a good experience, too, and I don't regret it. But yeah, that that whole like you know, what do I do to relax at this point? How do I right? So uh, was was that did that take you a while to kind of figure out or? It's something that I'm still balancing out, hmm. and it's definitely much better than when. I first started doing all of this stuff and I was just doing it nonstop, staying up until like, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, watching my wife get up to go to work and I'm still working on stuff because it's either commission or a, a personal piece. 
I find now that it's much easier for me to use these things as a way to relax when I recognize I'm in the mood. I don't force mm. them. I don't, I don't sit there and say, I haven't worked on this thing for a week. I really should get around with it. No, I'm not going to guilt myself about that. It is just as valid for me to pick up. I mean, I've got a mini sitting out there that I've primed and dry brushed and I haven't touched for a few days. It should be done by now, but it's not. And that's okay because I've been playing God of War 2018 <laughs> while my wife watches and I've been entertaining her that way. So when it comes to, if you're having to do uh, any creative work, any creative work, both as a job and something you are invested in as a hobby, it's really finding ways to forgive yourself mm. if you're not working on it all the time. Okay. And that's the hardest thing because creatives are assholes to themselves. I mean, Fair 100%. If you can, it's it never gets, there's no trick. It doesn't get easier. It just gets easier to ignore the whole self-recrimination and guilt and things like that it's like no you know what mm. i'm just not i'm not feeling like working on the adventure for dm's guilt tonight i'm gonna i'm gonna watch mystery shows or or true crime shit on youtube mm. that sort of thing oh man well, I, I i appreciate your candor and your honesty about that it's just like it's not easy at times too man like you know it's uh what a trip but that actually that actually segues nicely into one of the topics we were going to talk about the professional dungeon master. Yes. You, I, I saw you get a little hot on uh, the Twitters <laughs> about it. And I was like, oh shit. I, was like, I thought, I was like, who's coming out for zero, man? Like, someone came for zero? Like, what the fuck? I, I thought someone came for you or something like that. Like, I was like, okay. But you're, you know, you're, you're ranting about some shit you saw on, I think you said on TikTok or something like that. I'm not on TikTok. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the kids do. Um, I try to stick, yeah, I try to stick. I'm dealing with it. I gotta shut it off once in a while. But, um, the, uh, you know, uh, the professional dungeon master thing is really interesting. And, um, you know, I, I did it for a while. Uh, I, I still will do it if the, if the price is right, people. If the price is right, if you want to freaking, um, it's funny because I'm actually I'm on the the Ty and that guy uh, Discord. So that's that's the show that Ty Frank, the creator, one of the creators, expands and West Chatham, who plays Amos Tau, and they just found apparently a bunch of people just figured, found out about the RPG despite me talking about the RPG on there for the last half a year. But whatever. And so they found, they're like, oh, John's on here and he knows. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll teach you. I'll show you guys about it and everything like that too. And they're asking me to like run games. And I'm like, look, I, I told you guys I'll do one one shot for, for the admins on here and we can, yeah. we can broadcast it. After that, you guys are fucking paying me. <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, uh, and it, it's nothing personal. It's just that like, you know, at some point I gotta have my own things going on too. But I appreciate you guys being interested. And so that's kind of been my angle on it too. Um, and I was still while I was pro running. I was I was still running my home game and everything too. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was kind of curious, like what what kind of got you, like like when I first started the pro dungeon masters. Initially, it was kind of thought thinking these people that were like on uh, you know on on shows or whatever they're getting paid to be on shows. But then it's like, well, I've actually had people like pay me to play private games essentially. Um, right. on Zoom or maybe, and we were, you know, even then I think, I think back, I mean, technically I was like, like professional dungeon mastering back in like 2008 because the local game store was compensating me for my time to run D&D &D encounters and shit, you know, but technically yeah. I mean, you are, you are being compensated, not a whole lot, you know, but like you're getting something out of it. Exactly. Um, but still, uh, what, like what got you hot about it, man? Like what, like what's, I'm kind of curious. Cause like, I'm, man, what's this dude what, Are you asking what triggered the tweet or what? Yeah, what triggered the tweet? Yeah, what triggered the tweet? Okay. 
So the thing is, when it comes to the discourse surrounding professional dungeon masters, this thing comes in waves. Um, I want to say once every couple of years, someone out there will discover the concept of professional dungeon mastering and be in their feelings about it. And it always boils down to the, the same brand of argument. And this is what kind of set me off because the passion and the invective and the pageantry involved in this argument is complete bullshit. It's the idea that someone paying a dungeon master is somehow ruining the spirit of the game. First off, I don't like it when anyone tries to speak for gamers as a whole. Mm. I think that's bullshit. Um, but more importantly, it also stems from, and you can track this evolution of the argument every fucking time, to them eventually saying, what's next? Are we going to expect everyone to pay their dungeon masters? For anyone out there listening, <laughs> Allow me to lend a machete to your intellectual thicket. No one is saying that. Yeah. Not a fucking soul in creation is saying that. What we are saying is that there are individuals out there who do not necessarily have access to DMs. And this is coming from someone who makes his living teaching other people how to be DMs. We're saying that much like getting a DJ for a wedding reception, just because you can set up your laptop and a couple of speakers doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same fucking experience. We're also saying that there are people who are disenfranchised, who have not as much privilege as you do, who can't get together with people online, who can't go out and find these games. And lo and behold, capitalism being what capitalism is, someone stepped in to fill the niche. And that's it. So anytime I see this blow up, it's like, if you don't like it and that's the end of it, no worries. Don't use us. That's fine. If you're coming on some kind of fucking crusade about it, you're in for a bad time because you just pinged on my radar. Because so, to me, it's just like, yeah, if you're not into it, you're not into it. That's fine. You don't, not, no one's telling you to do it. No one's saying anyone has to do it. It's just an option. And it's available for people. I, I, I have, I won't kid you, I have seen, no, I have, now, now, Saying whether or not it should exist is one thing. I have had problems with the way it's practiced by a few folks. I will say this. There was, um, I, I, I remember when I put up my rate, which matched my rate I'm paid uh, for when I do contract work for uh, the local community college, which is what I, I do part-time, mm -hmm. my hourly rate. Um, people were like, hey, you're going to charge that much? And I'm like, yeah, I'm charging that much. That's what I think my time's worth. And, but then what tripped me up a lot was um, there was people out there that were charging, I mean, fucking, like, pennies on the dollar. Like, it, it was, like, shocking. I remember there was one dude who was charging, like, I think he was charging, like, five bucks a head for a three-hour session with six people. And I'm sitting there, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? God and, damn. And, and I didn't understand what he was doing initially, but initially what he was doing, he was running the same adventure over and over again, and mm -hmm. it was just, like, an intro adventure. If you want to play a different adventure, it's going to be more. So he's kind of doing oh, okay. that, that luring thing. Yeah. But the problem was he kept on he kept on getting lots and lots of reviews and lots and lots of traffic because he was doing that cheap adventure. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if he was either doing that initially, but I was like, I remember seeing that. I was like, dude, the problem is that you're gonna get people that are, they are in for that cheap, and then they're gonna like like there, there's a line. So one of my favorite films, my favorite, and it's a great TV series, the miniseries. If you haven't seen it? I highly recommend it called This Is England. Mm -hmm. But there's a line in it that um, one of the guys, one of the workers says, uh, they're, he says, when they're cheap, it makes us cheap. Yes. And, and that, that always struck, with, struck me a pretty hard thing. Um, and 
to me, it, it, I was kind of like, and I'm trying to tell, and I, I saw people that were charged two, 250 bucks an hour. Like, I'm like, yeah, like that's pretty extreme. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, I mean, that, that'd be something pretty, pretty impressive to me, honestly. Especially if I'm doing it online, that'd be really, really well for 250 bucks online. But oh, of course, yeah. it's a different story. I could maybe see 250 bucks. But, um, but yeah, you know, there, the, I always kind of got worried about that kind of stuff. And, and I, the pricing was so kind of cutthroat. And what was weird about it too was that these guys who were charging low rates were all out of like, I mean, they were out of like small towns. Like they were out of small areas, rural areas. I know they were a pretty rural area in California. Um, and uh, it's, I, 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 my university has literally had a cow stampede on it. Um, <laughs> through it, yeah. We're, we, have, we, have, we have a nature preserve next to it. And to keep the grass going, they, they put cows on it once in a while. Um, and so we've had cows like come running through the campus. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty funny. The, the, the kids from the kids from LA freak the fuck out. And I'm like, yo dude, just leave them alone. I remember, yeah. I remember we were on a nature walk and there was like about, there was about, there's about 50 students out in this preserve. Like all of us in a bundle together and they saw one coyote and started freaking out. And I'm sitting there like, that coyote is not going to come near us with 50 of us. There's, there's not stupid. You're fine. Dial it back. Unless you see 300 coyotes. <laughs> they're not going to yeah. come near us. <laughs> um, so I was like, "Oh my god, it's going to eat us!" And I'm like, "Dude, no, no, no. they they are scared of us. That's why that's why you're sitting behind the bushes. You can barely see them." Anyways, but you know, it's it's I, they, these guys who could like kind of afford to do it cheaper were doing, it, and they were getting good at it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and, and that's a big mm-hmm. thing for me too is the RPG. There, there's a reason why RPGs like originate in Wisconsin in Lake Geneva. There's a reason because I mean, these guys are bored. Like. Uh, they were playing war games. They were entertaining how they could. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's very much a product of where it comes from for a reason. And so I, I, to me, that was kind of interesting and, and, and everything too. But like where I was like charged a little bit more, it was interesting. I ended up working mostly for these guys out of my, my, what I call my Jersey boys. There are these like five guys from New Jersey. They were high school friends. They, they're now 50s, whatever they want to play together online. They, they had a fun time with it. And it's, it's kind of harder. Like, I think we did like maybe like, maybe like 21 hours total you know pretty, nice pretty decent amount yeah you know they can do three hour stints here once a month or so and um but so it's it's it was kind of interesting and, and such like that too but i'm really not sure like at this point i i just i i my, my library basically opened up again so i can work at the library and do the reference desk stuff and it's it's consistent work and and the like too but um yeah i don't know i, I i've been thinking about that a lot and i, I saw you get hot about it and i was like shit mm-hmm. man like and I wasn't like, it was interesting because I wasn't like, um, I, I wasn't sure what, what happened. <laughs> like, right, I, was right. like, I mean, you know, so there was, there was like a quote tweet or something. You know, look at this pool. Well, it's, I can tell you that. And again, uh, the, the folks who popped into the stream know, know this about me. It's more that if you ever see me make a thread like that, hmm. it's because I'm speaking out against something I've seen. Okay. Um, when it comes to, like if a, a slight gets thrown my way, I, I usually handle it very quietly. But when it comes to something like that, and I, I see what I consider to be um, an egregious wrong, then it's like, yes, I'm going to use my platform to speak out about it because there are people who are seeing this shit for the first time and thinking, oh, mm. so professional dungeon mastering isn't something I should do. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. We're mm, time out. We're going to speak out on this. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, my, my general advice to everyone on every topic is just don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't. No, it is. It, it is. It's like, it's like, look, uh, should, I, should, I tell, should I tell people shit and go shit on professional dungeon masters? Don't. Should I become no. a professional dungeon master? Don't. 
<laughs> like it's like every every fast and don't <laughs> like it, my my don't does not discriminate. It, it's a universal we, we, don't. We need that as the the official only play wizards shirt. Yeah, don't only play wizards. Nice. I actually, you know, it's funny Block about letters. Don't. We were talking about t-shirts because I, I I did my Cauldron and Towers. So I was pushing that pretty hard when I was I was writing adventures, and I I basically with that like I was writing adventures, and it kind of like my writing partner basically quit on me, which really sucked. And so, and, and so then it, it became a whole conversation with, uh, with them about like splitting everything up. And that was just a bitch. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to go off this shit. Cause like, I was just, I was got tired of like having to try to wrangle it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we're, we're cool, but like, it still is just like, oh, this is a headache. And, uh, I don't like to write alone, but, uh, doing, I was doing, I do my t-shirts and everything like that too. And you got, I sent you a few actually. Um, yes. Yeah. I got them and they're lovely. Thank you. Yeah, we do. Uh, uh, people always ask how I can sell them so cheap, and it's because I, I print them all. I have a guy locally that prints them all. So I just nice. go pick them up. Like, I, I, nice. I, get, I get dinner and, and I'll pick up 300 shirts on the way home. Uh, so, uh, it, it cutting down on shipping. And, uh, but I can't remember what I was say about this shit. We're, I was talking about something about that. I can't remember. Damn, I lost my train of thought. The, the, train, the train has derailed. It has, it has, it has streamed. Yes, it did run around on Steam. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk about the other thing too. Is like I was really impressed by you was when I first because I first met you on the DMs Guild dash, mm-hmm. uh, and, which was uh, a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I just talked about Depeche Mode for fucking like two hours. That one. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a um. I I, I remember on that I saw you're you're doing the props and everything. I was like, oh shit, guys, do some props. And I saw the stuff you did for Tanya, Tanya which is super cool. The the mm-hmm. pepper box that was super cool. And oh, I was, yeah, and I was like, oh, let's, let's go check out some more stuff. And so that was part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on and talk to you too, is because uh, you're kind of like you're, you're you like the expansion. You've seen the show, and well, it's, it's a show. It's a show that fucked on props front to back. I mean, it's like, like there's this like this is the good dump truck full of props and put it on on, on in front of, in front of mm-hmm. everybody and see what happens. And so I was kind of curious because um, we we've tried doing some props in our game on stream and integrating them. And I was kind of curious, how do you approach bringing props into games if you do do it? How do you, mm-hmm. when you take a commission, like how do you kind of approach it? Um, how does it tie to your like game mastery? Because I can see it, game, I can see it tying really, really like, I can, I can see there being a lot of parallels there. Oh yeah. Because um, you're, you're, in both cases, you're providing a service. I mean. Exactly. Um, and you have um, a client, so yeah. When it comes, when it comes to uh, commissions, it's usually a pretty straightforward process of, Reference, 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 uh, and then choosing the materials to meet the needs of the client. Like if this is going to be a display piece, I don't necessarily mind it being out of more fragile material. If this is going to go to a convention, it's got to put up with some punishment, that sort of thing. When it comes to prompts in games, um, this sounds so cliche, but it's absolutely true. 3D printing Mm. has cracked shit wide open on these kind of things. I literally found for free, and I printed it. I'm about to paint it up. Literally for free, a gorgeous monster demonic looking amulet mm. that I 3D printed, right? Um it looks so cool that the next game I run in person, I'm just going to have stats for this little beauty that I wrote up myself and here you go. Yeah. Or if it needs to be because the community is so we're god we're nerds is so invested in in creating so many of these props particularly just for tabletop playing um i can look up like a magic item by name and 80 percent of the time mm-hmm. at least three modelers have have their own take on it right 
So I can print that out and then add my own spin on it. When it comes to making stuff just from whole cloth, usually from EVA foam, XPS foam, stuff like that, um, it just really comes down to what do I need for that particular game? What is what I'm trying to convey? And I always try to keep things small mm. because I want the players to be able to handle them, pass them around, mm. look at that sort of thing. Um, but also, it's it's just a nice, it's also a nice little tchotchke. If you're a player and and your character has We've defeated the bad guy. We're going through this chest and we find the secret item. Your character is the first one to pick up this item. Well, you, the player, get to go home with this item now. Oh, okay. Right? Little yeah. things like little touches oh, yeah. like that. Um, it also it's it's a bridging moment to physically hold something. Mm. Because let's face it, it's it's all a lot of it, majority of it is theater of the mind. To physically hold something and connect with it. I personally feel, and this is just from my days doing acting. Um, it makes me feel more connected to a character. So hmm. if someone gives me something, it makes me feel more in that mindset. And I've found in the past, especially with players who might be a little bit more quiet at first or not used to role-playing and ad-libbing and, and doing things on the fly, um, just giving them and showing them these little things, it gives them something to be grounded to. Mm. And it's something physical that they can look at and the emotional response they they give to that is reflected in the mm. character. They open up a little bit more, and it's it's really honestly lovely to watch. Yeah, so that was a big thing when we started our stream was we we wanted to get some props or kind of like costumey type stuff. And and actually, our our go to was two things: flight suits, nice. At which I, it turns out I had a lot easier access because I my town has an old Air Force base. So. Yeah. <laughs> So we got. Does they have a surplus store? Uh, we don't have a surplus store, but there's a surplus of flights. <laughs> so you can go find them at like the Goodwill or like. Uh, oh, wow. You can go find them wherever you know type thing. You you can get them pretty cheap on Amazon. You can get a decent one on Amazon for like you know forty bucks something like that. Right. And they ain't bad. They ain't bad because like you know I use them when I go into the house. I go to crawl space or some shit. But that and patches. Mm -hmm. uh, big thing on the expanse is patches. Everyone's got a patch on their on their suit or whatever. So. Um, we were, we initially actually commissioned this guy to make, to make costume patches for the Expanse type cosplay. And we, we basically bought all his, uh, imperfects and ones that people didn't pay for. Perfect. And so we got like, he sent us a package of about a hundred different custom patches. Nice. And we were, we, we, we basically got the, the group of them. I sent them out to the crew and I said, like, all right. You know, it's it's like which ones do you guys want? And I'll sell. And the beauty of patches, guys, this is why we gave them out on the early streams. It's a fucking stamp to send to anybody. <laughs> so That's so it. like so I would send I would I just put everyone all in a thing and put a stamp or two on it and send it out to, my, to the crew, and then they'd be able to use out whatever kind of gear they had. Might have a vest or they had a flight mm -hmm. suit, and they could then apply that, and that would be their costume or kind of give them a, a quick costume. And there was some makeup stuff too. I they a lot of, a lot of them do the belter makeup or do the belter tattoos, um, right. which is a lot of fun. But um, that was just a really simple way to do the costuming. And then there's been some props with um, uh, Mike. Michael actually made his character is like his first weapon in the game was there on a ship, and he basically like locked himself in the bathroom. He had, he had, there's actually like a a, a talent in the game called Maker. Mm -hmm. And he could repurpose. He was like this Jerry rigging belter, and he managed to like um, he managed to like pull apart a toilet and make a gun out of it. And we call it we called it the shit shooter. Um, and so 
but like he had this like this like it was like this, like gun that didn't show up on stuff like that it was, like a bunch of plumbing but it was it was a really crappy gun but it worked and um no but, he ended intended. Up, but he ended up like yeah he ended up making it like he actually like assembled that out of some spare parts in the backyard you know he had like some just like stuff so that was one thing we kind of liked about doing it was with the expanse was like it was really easy to bring in props Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of repurpose things. And you go watch the show, they actually are pretty open about what stuff is that on air and how they got it and what they repurpose, you know. Which I um, love. Yeah. I love that show. Yeah, and um, I remember because there's one episode where they're in like a, they're in like a, um, a crawl space and there's like stuff on the walls and it's just the fucking same exact like laptop cooler I had in college. <laughs> like, <laughs> bounced to the wall repeatedly. You know, I, oh, I had that one. So mine had a, oh. mine had a, a sticker on it that said Antec or whatever it was. You know, so it's just it's just something silly like that. I was I was kind of like that, um, but yeah, I, you know, I I I try to tie this back to the expanse and everything. And so I was kind of oh, yeah. I was kind of curious, man. Like, I mean, you said you're into it and everything like that too, and 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 show and everything. And uh, what what uh I don't know, like what what's what's your thoughts, man? Like, what, I'm kind of curious to talk about that. Let's keep, keep on, on the, the show. Or yeah, props let's, on the yeah, expanse. Props on the expanse. Let's talk about the expanse. Let's talk about whatever. And like. I you know let's go from the we're we're cooling off for the night, man. We went hot. Yeah. We came in hot. Let's talk about the joy and the love. Absolutely. So <laughs> let's, uh, I'll start with the actual props, and this includes uh, set design on The Expanse. Oh. Um, Alex Funky of Studio Weta has one of my favorite all-time quotes when it comes to this stuff. To be a good, now he said to be a good modeler, as in making miniature models and things like that. You have to be a natural-born storyteller. Hmm. And one of the things I absolutely love about The Expanse, and one of the things that first hooked me was the environmental storytelling every single prop every single set every single gaffing pass can tell you a story put watch the expanse and put it on mute sometime mm. not the action or just the, the quiet talking scenes the introductory shots things like that you are instantly conveying a wealth of in- information to the viewer about this is the tone this is the kind of people you're going to find here this is the, uh, I mean, flat out telling you the things that they value most, which is not an easy sell. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what you need to know about Betelota within five minutes of, of being on series, yeah. right? You know everything you need to know about the Martian Commonwealth within just a few passing shots of the interior of the Rosanate. You know everything you need to know um, about Earth and basically just the kind of weird state of overachieving itself to death that it's in from the opening credits Mm. and just the lights appearing. All these little things um, down to the weapon choices and how they treat their surroundings, how they treat their personal outfits, the the personal touches on on Amos's flight suit, right? the fact that we've got Alex Cabal constantly listening to music that my grandparents used to listen to when I lived back in that Texas. One's, that one's actually really interesting because they, they, they can't convey in the books. He's actually really into noir film. Really? Yeah, he's really into noir film. He's always watching noir films and shit. And, but like, that's something that'd be hard to pull off on the show. That'd be hard for you unless know, he's got like a, a, a like a Casablanca movie poster. Yeah, but like, but it's more stuff that he's just constantly watching, or he's having. Oh, you gotta come watch this film with me while we're on the trip, or whatever it is, you know. And yeah. um, and but then the music's more of a kind of a, a a way to like they can kind of just like put it into a scene without having to interrupt the scene, and mm-hmm. which is kind of how music operates for a lot of us too. Is just something you do while you're on a job, or whatever, passing, put on the bus, whatever. So 
oh, yeah, yeah, that was a really interesting kind of kind of element too. Um, I I think uh, my my favorite prop from the show, my my favorite, my favorite prop from the show, and uh, when we when, when we had Lynn, when we commissioned Lynn uh, Nakasone for the uh, artwork that we had for Abrax Precipice, was we wanted we knew that um, Zenny had like like a, a gun. And mm-hmm. we wanted Miller's hand cannon that he picks up off of off of uh, Eros. We wanted Ooh, that. Yeah, yeah the Rhino, it's it's a Rhino fifty DS. What's interesting about that? That's actually not a prop. That's actually like a real gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really fascinating weapon. But like um, the only modification they did to it was like they 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 colored the handle, and then when he opens up the the revolver, it has like they're they're multi stage bullets. So each bullet each one's actually six yeah. six rounds. And that's actually what he's checking on there is like how many rounds have fired off each bullet. Which is, and it's cool because there are LEDs in there and shit. So it's like. Little touches like that are really clever, mm-hmm. um, and so that was one prop that we were like really attracted to. We wanted to convey, and when we were when we we're kind of working with this too. But I think one thing that the show the the show does, and one thing that's really interesting too, is when they did the Sirocco. There's a scene inside the Sirocco outside of Ganymede, and it, it's the same. It's it's the bridge of the Rothanante, but they relit it. Yeah, and they would do that. They would recycle stuff constantly, but at the same time, like it's another Martian ship. It makes sense. Yeah. It would be the same kind of build, same style. That um, the same design through line is carried, and, and that's just with changing some lights. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I highly recommend anyone that hasn't done it. But the the art the art book and making of art book is really good. Of uh, the expanse, there's an art book. There's an art book. It's it's pretty big size. Right, I, give, I, give me I, a second. I'll go get it. Keep, tell tell yeah. them something cool. Tell tell people something cool. Hi, how you doing? Let me tell you something cool. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, so I was actually uh, telling John this before we started uh, streaming because we were talking about uh, cosplayers uh, who have made their own Martian armor from the Expanse, right? Um, I've actually looked up plans on how to do that, um, various kits and whatnot. The amazing thing to me is, depending on the materials you're using, that build is actually more complicated than a fully articulated Iron Man Mark III suit. It's wild. The, the level of engineering that went into this thing. Cool. Welcome I, back. I have no idea. Thank you. I like being welcome back. Yeah, this is the book. Ooh. And oh, I like that. It's on it's on Amazon. Um, and it has like concept art for like everything. So here's like the concepts for the Earther armor. Oh, wow. Uh, the rail guns. Orbital rail guns. Hell um, yes. And it ha- the, the, only, the only character that has multiple pages in here is Avicerella. <laughs> the one I, I will say this the one prop they didn't do with Avicerella that pisses me off is in the book she's always eating pistachios and I wish they gave her pistachios to sit there and just eat like cause like yeah. she'll when, if she's eat, basically what it means like if she's like sitting in the corner like eating pistachios it means she's plotting her next move to fuck everyone in the room over and, and she's like and she's just sitting there pull, she's like, she has like she's pulling out her, she's a little old lady with a sorry pulling them out of her bag eating pistachios and everyone's like what the fuck is she like what is she doing but um, to fuck you over. Yeah, here's like concept art of um, Eros. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean. Oh yeah, leaning hard. I'm yeah, runner. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be, you know the very much used future Eros is kind of left over and. But this is this was a cool this is a good book to get some ideas of like um, kind of how they uh they set up stuff. Uh, oh, here's like you're gonna see drummers um rig raw. That is cool. But yeah, man. If you wanted to go and make your own uh, walkie, Fuck yeah, you could. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's, I, I think that's one thing. Um, 
and the the fandom and the the crew themselves that made the show are really explicit. There's like whole like like blogs about this stuff too, and mm-hmm. um, we we definitely have drawn on that for the for our show. We've used it for like a few Zoom backgrounds and stuff too here and there. Um, uh, yeah, Carl's Webb is the guy. Yeah, uh, Michael's in our yeah Michael's in our Michael P is is the uh, the super fan, uh, and I'll, I'll link you to the guy Carl's Webb. He's like a big prop maker for the or yeah. a fan maker, and he's got like a whole. He literally has a room that has multiple like his room in his house that has multiple. Has, it has like the Martian Marine armor, and it has like Martian like armor, and it has UN armor, like full blown on mannequins in his room. Fuck yes. Yeah, he's he's got some he's got some shit. Um, he's a really cool, dude. But um, yeah. So, um, but that's one of the, you know the the thing I like about the Expanse um as an RPG. If we go back to that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, was there's so much going on in it that isn't said, and that was a big thing for us was to explore the things that aren't said. Um, and I think that the 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 RPG Green Run has put out it, the the campaign book. There's because there's one full campaign book. I mean, it's like a it's like Curse of Strawdig. Um, yeah. Does kind of go through that where its its premise is that like okay, so Jules Pierre Mal gets hold the proto molecule, but the question is is like it isn't people that would know what he's doing, but people would be like, why are you suddenly doing like you're doing something different? You changed like. You had all these projects we knew about, and now suddenly you abandon all of them, like to do something else that we don't know. What are you doing? And so mm-hmm. that it, the villain of that one is is this guy Sebastian Pope, who's basically his competitor. And he's like, okay. what, "What is this guy doing? Like, how? Like, why did Mao just like pull plug on all these projects that were so promising? I, I can't I can't fathom why anyone would do that." Mm-hmm. And so curiosity kills his cat, kind of thing. He's just like, "I got to go find out." So he gets obsessed of trying to figure out what the hell's happening. Um, and, nice. I, and I think that's a brilliant that, that's a brilliant kind of non talked about story like because he can't be the only game in town you know mm-hmm. um, the other one we did was uh, for, for what we call year two because we do phases we're not doing we don't call them seasons but we do phases um, and so I, I've had this I had this discussion with Emily Friedman it was the question was like what the fuck is the season for an actual play like, is it really a season or is it like a um, like or it, like some people do seasons i'm like was it really a season or was it just like 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 a mini series or what was right. that um and so ours ours is or we do what called phases we found a better name i think that's our better, like our that. better phrase yeah you know it's just a phase and um year two was about okay well like we jumped the, the plot a year ahead of time um after eros um and it was like all right Gan- i had the players on ganymede when the mirrors fall okay and and they got stuck and they were part of the refugees. And so we, we did a whole, we did a whole, the, the whole first part of that, of that phase was like, how do you manage this refugee crisis? Were they there for the system collapse? Yeah. So what they, what happened was, is they were, um, they were just doing deliveries and shit. And like, they're in okay. one of the greenhouse, one of the ag domes are being worked on. And they, um, they kind of like, uh, stuff starts to fall. And then the stuff starts, the safety measures are kicking in. And they're having to like figure out how to get back to the main facility when there's vacuum between them and and the main facility. Mm. And so they actually they actually fucking drove. Uh, they actually got a cart and they actually drove through hard vacuum for about three seconds. Um, it was a pretty hardcore scene. And then and they actually witnessed the the hybrid killing um, like killing the Marines on the surface. They actually saw that with oh, their eyes. Yeah, it, 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 I will say this: the show did not do it justice. In the book, it's like this thing's like pulling their heads off, like it literally pulls one of their heads off. And and they have a um, the Martians have a um, 
they have like a 22 foot tall mech that the thing okay. just tears apart it just it is just pulling up. I mean, it, it, it's terrifying yeah um and and everyone sees that that's why that's why i love it yeah that's what everyone sees it so they, they kind of just get that but then they're on the they're actually in the um the facility they're 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 safe but like they can't leave because there's blockade there's a bunch of crap up in space the martians are like you know slowly moving in saying like you can't go here now this is off limits and so they're having to manage that kind of refugee crisis and then the the, the question they got they get off eventually and the the question is like okay well now you have all these refugees flooding into series what do you do with them how do you feed them do you give them jobs and that's what happened was that season was Myrtle, Myrtle's the Earther, the Donna's character, and she's like a little more wealthy and has her own business. She basically mm. breaks her business, like trying to employ these people. Like she oh, drains, she she like breaks it, and her wife is like, "We can't keep this up." Like, and her wife, her wife basically is like, "Look, uh, I we we built this business together. It's about us together, and you're breaking it for these people that we don't really know. Like, it's either going to be me or we sell the ship that you guys have to fund the business." Damn. So like that was kind of we 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 try to bring in these really interesting political tensions. And I think that's what the expanse has in spades is like political Definitely. tensions and like social um social issues that like keep on going because it is an extrapolation of history. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to explore that a lot, you know, and, and that's one thing I like about as RPG is uh it isn't just like we can go gung ho and shit. Plus, like it's a fucking dangerous RPG. Like if you're in yes. if, if you're <laughs> if you're in a if you're in a uh, if you're in hard vacuum and you get shot, you're not just bleeding, you're fucking suffocating. And it's it's like, dude, this is don't play around like in space, no. guys. I have a fighting I, in space is not mm, mm, I, yeah. I, I joke about it because when, when I send out the um uh the consent forms and safety tool forms for everybody, I have a thing. I'm like, look, here's the thing. If you check red box on suffocation, you cannot play this game with me. Like I can't I can't turn that off. I can never turn yeah. that off. <laughs> Because, like, it has to be constantly present as a threat um, yeah. due, uh, just by the nature of it. So, and I think that was, that, you know, talking to RPGs, that's a big thing, guys. Is a game master, like, yeah, if, if you have something that is, like, vital to the setting and you, you might have to tell people, like, if they say this is a red light, you say, it's, I guess this isn't, we can't, this can't happen. And that happens, yeah. you know? Sometimes Especially when it's, it's something that is so intrinsically environmental to yeah. space. Yeah, and, 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 and and the expanse thrives on its realism. Yes, it, 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 uh-huh. everything they do. One of the reasons I love it. <laughs> everything they do is is a real thing. The belters are a real thing. We had a whole conversation. You know, I was like, I have explained to new people that never watch it. I was like, yeah, the belters can't go to Earth not because they're racist, is because they will fucking die. <laughs> their their heart will give out. Yep. Um, and so we have to be aware of like the the kind of limitations and so like that too. So I, that's why I love the game. I love thinking through problems and such too. So. But yeah, sorry, I, I get I get excited. That's fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I'll I'll try to I'll try to get that in your hands. You know, I'll 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 talk to some people about that. But um, awesome. We we yeah, I'm I'm gonna definitely uh, I'm looking to try to do some more with it and everything. Um, I'm always looking to do try new things and stuff like that too. So like, I guess my question to you is um, you know, you you think about like that kind of world, that kind of environment. Like, what is something in that? as an rpg would you want to tell what's a because i told you about a story i want to tell which i which i did which is like this refugee crisis which is really interesting but i'm kind of yeah. curious like what kind of stuff about that like it just the the show like appeals to you as a storyteller or would you want to explore more of or was there something that was unsaid you're kind of what about that yeah there's 
again, I haven't read the books. At least, as least the the show is concerned, it's more exploration of the unknown, the things that came before that set things into motion. I'm an absolute uh, slavish nerd for those kinds of things. So when you're talking about the proto monocles, uh, polar monocle, the gate builders, um, the the weird machines on the planet that they mm. all landed on. Those little things, like I definitely, I need to know more about those because those are truly alien peril. Yeah. Not not just invaders, but something that is so far beyond your standard comprehension mm-hmm. that it does not think like you, it does not react like you. Its society was not structured in any way that you can understand what's so fucking ever. It is one hundred percent alien. How do you deal with that when it becomes ascendant? Mm-hmm. And that is the stuff that just really, really gets my creative juices going as a writer. Yeah. So what I what I'm hearing, I, I would the one book I would recommend from the Expanse is uh, Beyond the Ring, which is deals with the colony rules. And a lot of part of the colony issues are like, well, you like everyone makes these rush for these thirteen hundred worlds, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and like they're not they're not all the same. Like they all have very different environments. They have very different standards. There's some that are dead systems where there is no, like they were white, they were ones that were uh, purged out or whatever it is, or they're, they're mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better term, uh, solar system sized booby traps. Um, yeah. And so there's, there's all that kind of weird shit going on in there. And like, what are these things doing? Who are these things? The other one that's kind of fun too, they talk about is the, the xenobiology. So like, so our trip is that we're we're kind of privileged in this, in this thirteen hundred worlds because we got two point five billion years of evolution on everyone else. So whatever was evolving there got wiped out, and then it had to start over again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we're we're kind of they don't there's no like they, no one really meets aliens. It's more of like there's analogs. There's like the my favorite one in the when they're on Illus the I think they're called the stomach frogs. These frogs and they look like frogs, and they don't have like tongues and teeth it's more of they regurgitate their entire stomach on something it's sticky <laughs> it's it's in sticky and then they pull their they pull their whole stomach back in and mm-hmm. my, my buddy was like that seems really inefficient and i was like you think it's more efficient to grow a tongue teeth and an esophagus i'm like you know it's another solution to the same problem <laughs> you know it's, it's it is fitting and evol- uh it is filling oh. an evolutionary niche and, so. I, and i think that's one thing that like i liked about that that book is that even though the book does list out like um you have the you have a few worlds we know about that are listed in the book, just maybe twenty total, and they add maybe mm-hmm. another twenty five in this book, which are canon because Ty signs off on them. I mean, you're talking fifty worlds about thirteen hundred. I mean, how many, um, you know, how many uh, do, you, do you want? You know, uh, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's 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 one thing I, I think you would have a lot of fun is kind of having these worlds and. Um, the one thing I'm kind of working with right now in my current my one shots, especially, is the free navy conflict where basically everyone gets cut off. Oh yeah, that, that they cut everyone off. So you have these new colonies, and it's like, how do you fucking survive? And that was that was Moran's cycle. Was that was the shock? No one knew that was coming. Was that like, yeah, you guys got cut off, and you're managing the colony. And that was why I liked uh, Josh's performance on it because he's like, he everyone's like, well, we don't want them to panic about Earth getting attacked, and Josh is like, that's the least of our concerns because we don't have any fucking food. Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, I think Earth will figure it out. I, I, there's a lot more of them. There's only about 300 of us here. And we don't have any food. So. And, and, and Josh, but this is gonna be real fun, you know, um, so I think that that's a that's, you know, that's why I liked and you can kind of do these survival situations with high tech 
it is absolutely it, yeah it is an apocalyptic you know what i'm saying like like i've used a lot of like survival stuff as apocalyptic mm-hmm. um in order to have access to technology and it could be you got cut off you got isolated oh and that shit's fun, especially when it's the simplest things, the things that we have become reliant on that suddenly go away. Yeah. Not through any apocalyptic means, like you mentioned, but through just sheer happenstance. Like you're stuck and your cell phone yeah. doesn't work out in the woods anymore. What do you do? That sort of thing. I do love that shit. Yeah. It, it's a, I think there's a lot to be said there. And I, that's one thing I like about running RPGs is having to think through situations and, um, we play. We we just played through the events of Abaddon's Gate, so Book Three, when they go in the slow zone, and that's actually the closest we've ever actually gotten to like the direct line because they actually met. They actually met Amos. Uh, they met Amos briefly. Oh, hey. Um, yeah, that was fun. Um, and uh, but I try not to do that whole. They've met Fred Johnson a few times. Um, they met Anderson Dawes a few times, but they. I just try to. I, I'm always ever since Star Wars RPG when I was a kid, like I always try to stay away from like the big like canon stuff because it's too yeah. easy to get tied up in that, and it's like. Well, you know, I want to go hang out with Luke Skywalker. And I'm like, well, Luke Skywalker's to- story is already told, dude. Like, what about your story? Like, what is your situation? Exactly. You know, that's why I call my game Schlubs in Space. You know, because <laughs> I want to hear about the common person, not James fucking Holden. And that's actually been the gag is like, whenever Holden comes up, they bitch about it. Um, yeah. at the, uh, when we had, when we had uh, Jacob Mundell from, it was on the show, come on. He's like, oh, it's like we got a drama queen on the scene. James Holden showed up. All right, guys. <laughs> a, celebrity decided to, a celebrity decided to show up. Let's deal with it, you know. And my, my best line on that was uh, James Holden broadcast something in it, and his assistant goes, "This guy wants way too much screen time. Like we're just gonna give him constantly just shit on James Holden." Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, I love it. I love it. So I think that that's kind of a fun thing, and you can kind of do. It. But you know, it's it's a war story ultimately. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot, and it's it's history unfolding. And I think that's kind of the thing is that history unfolds around us whether we like it or not. And we are a part of it, and that's what the kind of stories I want to tell. That, um, all right, let me ask. Uh, we got a few more minutes left. I want to ask you this question. Uh, it's true. Uh, all right, you had if you had to play, you got you got to play the game. Are you going to be a Martian, Earth, or a Belter? Who, who Belter. Do you Belter. Okay, why? Belter. Why Belter? One hundred percent Belter. Uh, simply because um, a lot of their underpinnings is very very similar to how I had to grow up. Hmm. So I have a lot of empathy and sympathy for the Belters and just that finding the zeal for life, even as life is trying to grind you to dust and you're living in piss poor shitty conditions and you are constantly on the receiving end of the shit, the shitty end of the stick, mm-hmm. right? Um, that speaks to me a lot. And it also doesn't help that, uh, you know, Drummer is one of my favorite fucking characters on the show. So, but yeah, I would play a Belter. Okay. Yeah, Belter Loda. Yeah, that, that's actually, so that's like, Drummer's kind of a weird point to talk about because that's like, she doesn't show up till book seven. Uh, really? She's actually an amalgam of two other characters. She's an amalgam of Michio Pa. Michio Pa is much better in the books in the show and Bull. Bull's actually like, uh, Bull's actually a bad motherfucker in the books. Huh. Um, he's actually much, they're, they're both, I, yeah, they, 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 but that was the that was the that's the, the the cost of the show was that they hired good actors and then they, they wanted to keep them around so they had to rewrite the character. <laughs> no, and they did that. They they did yep. that a lot. The big one is Ashford. Ashford's a piece of shit in the books. I mean, he's a scumbag, yeah. garbage, garbage he's human one being. One of my favorite characters in the show. And and yeah, and in the books, he's like, uh, I mean, like I'll put it this way, like uh, like 
there is a, the the party split on whether or not he should be put in prison or just executed. Like that's how they feel about him. Like it's 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 very different character. Uh, but that's kind of the thing I like about it too is we have these kind of two parallels, and I don't think either one's like the better one. I think they're but mm-hmm. they but they ultimately do tell the same story, or similar stories, and and have kind of a lot of a lot of parallels. Um, nice. Uh, yeah, it is, it is kind of a fun part of, of it all. See, so okay, so let me think. Belker, okay, so tell me about your Belker, man. Like, I'm just kind of thinking. I'm trying to envision this. So, like, are they like what? What do they do? What kind of work do they do? I mean, are they just like uh, they just kind of do whatever? I'm kind of curious. Like, I'm... well, they would they would come from uh, they would come from a rockhopper family, just hands down, and slim pickings to boot. So inevitably, uh, my Belter would get mixed up on the darker side of things. Uh, running contraband, smuggling, would few they, uh, protection jobs, that sort of thing. Would they be like, um, like OPA or like, because uh, OPA is a they diverse be, group too. Yeah, they would definitely just short of the OPA tat. I would say, OPA what? what? Just shy of having that OPA tat. I would say okay. at this point in their career. The OPA that, that's something like. There's like the different tribes. There's like different like like factions, and like some of them are like straight up like I mean, the Naros's factions are they're belt of supremacists. Like they're they're yeah. pure and simple belt of supremacists. Yeah. Where no. other ones are kind of like <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's a like I, I quoted a lot, but there's a section of the books where like someone says well, like you know that goes up there, and he's like don't use the word up. That's an earther term. Like he's like I mean it's bad. Like when I say wow. supremacist, yeah, it's like you don't talk. We don't we don't use their language. Um, I would see I would see my builder um, having a lot of respect for someone like Anderson Dawes. Yeah, that's Dawes' passion. Yeah, but not necessarily like occasionally working with them. Not necessarily one hundred percent on board. Because that's definitely how... not not down with like Fred Johnson's way of doing things. Because talk, 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 talk gets you nowhere. Well, that's the interesting thing about Drummer is that he, both in the books and on the show, like she's she starts her career starts with Dawes, and Dawes is kind of cause, and then she kind of gets bigger and better because she's a, she's smarter she's a smarter than everybody else kind of thing, and then going into like Fred Johnson's thing mm-hmm. on the show and in the books she's just kind of in the background for for a bunch of it, but um, until the the rise of the trade union like uh, thirty years later, because I, I don't even know, but the books jump thirty years after the trade union big by the end of the book like Holden's like eighty eight. Like, oh wow! Yeah, that was one thing I like about the I like about the sh- the show is everyone's older. If you were because yeah. if you're like that's the thing I talk about when I do players. I'm like, look, if you're the characters in the military and they're out unless they were disarmed and discharged, they were in for 20 years. Like they they did their 20. Alex in the books is like you know he's got to be almost 50. When he starts mm-hmm. you know Naomi's maybe 28, 27. Holden's maybe 30. Amos mm-hmm. is maybe 35, 38. You know, so it's like Makes sense. And I like that's actually a bit of a big thing in their cast is because a lot of them are older. I think our uh, Maria is actually our youngest member, <laughs> and so um, I are and uh, I am not I am not even the second oldest. I think I think I'm I might be the third or fourth. But like, oh, wow. yeah, and so we we like that kind of older character. So when we were playing D and D growing up, I was all oh, like, you know, I'm I'm like 21 and I'm a fucking fighter. I'm a bad mm-hmm. motherfucker. Oh, I'm an old wizard at 28. It's you know, like, you know. Like, it's so like you know and so i i, I kind of like that whole element like no i've had a life you know and now it's kind of like whatever kind of figuring it out you know and stuff yeah and i like that element i think that because someone there's i think it might have been gabe hicks or someone but like someone was going on about you know, rpgs where characters skew older why don't we play older characters 
I was like, yo, Expanse, dude, like, keep on older. But then again, like, you know, the Belgians live to be about 68, and then, like, mm-hmm. the Earthers live to be 120 at that point. And as, yeah. as, the, as the story goes on, they're living to be 150, 170, because of just technology advancements and shit. So it's, like, it's pretty interesting in that regard. Like, and I, I, like, I like bringing that in and, and, and trying to think, what is it? You have a, characters have a past. It's just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm an 18-year-old fighter, and I have this dark past. I'm like, bitch, you're fucking 18. Like, <laughs> you haven't done shit yet. yet. You know, you went to school and you learned to fight. Like, like where did you fit in that whole, like, five-year campaign of military? Were you a child soldier? Like, like, like apparently you were, you know? I was a child soldier. I thought it, run, you weren't? Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I fought, I fought three tours and you're 18? Oh, Jesus Christ, right. man. It's like, yeah, it's, it's so, it, that's kind of my angle on it is, like, it doesn't really work that way. And, yeah. Um, and that's why I like here's like Fred Johnson and, and like Anderson Daw because they're older. Um, that's actually one of my favorite dichotomies. Those two characters are actually brilliant. Because um, uh, Anderson, I don't know if you know, but Anderson Dawes is named after Anderson Station. The one that Fred Johnson okay. blew up. Yeah. Yeah, because I did par- not know that. His, his parents worked for it and they thought they could get in good with the company and get a raise if they named their son after it. Oh. And oh, so, that's rough. yeah, that's, that's why they're dichot- and and Dawes is the one that brings them in. He's the one that brings Johnson in from the cold. Yeah, because uh, Johnson just has a, has a death wish basically when he when he finds him. So like, uh, it's yeah, it's kind of a uh, I love that I love that tightness to that 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 dirtiness of that story. Yeah, um, I I didn't even clock that. I thought it was a happy no, naming the, coincidence. Yeah, it, it feels that way, but it, it finds out there's Dawes of the the short story. Uh, my favorite my favorite part of Dawes's backstory, and this explains Belter's really fucking well mm-hmm. is he tells a story about when he was a kid he like spit on the floor and his dad has whooped the shit out of him for it mm-hmm. and his dad goes you know he's like i want to be clear i didn't i didn't beat you up because you spit on the floor i beat you up because you didn't you didn't spit in the recycler that water you threw on the wall on the, on the ground could have been someone's last drink tomorrow yeah and so he's like i want you to understand that you like basically Set, you you decided that like a, that we weren't like another builder wasn't worth your your spit, and I'm like fuck that's a brutal that's a brutal lesson, like yeah, that you know. But that's how they think is like you can't waste shit. Yeah. Um, and I like I, I like that element a lot too. And I think and I can see why you like him as a maker. You like the builders as a maker. I think that's really. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're I like them because they they figure they just figure out how to get shit to work. Uh, you know they, yeah, they're Jerry, they're we call it belter rigging. Uh, it's just like they, they get it to work somehow and they're good people to have in a pinch. It's um, that adapt and overcome spirit. I'm right. You right. make good. Well, look, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pull everyone's names here just because like yeah. everyone entered uh, for the thing. I'm going to pull four names and guess what? Everyone. Everyone won. Hey! <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and um Go ahead and uh, be sure to send everyone that, that whose name I have here uh, some band camp codes um, and everything so that you guys get some free music and have some fun with that. I, uh, your, your, your wife in the chat? Is your wife? Uh, yeah, like, uh, Cozy Catherine. Yeah, okay, Cozy. I, I'll, send, I'll send something specific for you, uh, Catherine, uh, so you can, you can rock out with, because uh, I know you, you guys like the rock and the roll. That's uh, what the kids are into. I'll send you some fun with that. Uh, I'll, I'll try to skew this up a little bit. But um, thank you, everyone, for hanging out and just kind of chatting. Zero, man. Um, 
Yeah, it's good. Just kind of, I, I just do this to bullshit. Like, this isn't like, I, I don't try to like come on here and have a point, but I think we had some. Uh, <laughs> Not wrong we, with that. Yeah, we had some good geekery and, and hopefully some of you guys go check out Zero. Uh, Zero, if you want to put all your, your links in the chat again, man, feel free yeah, to. Just do this again. Give, give, everyone a good, give everyone a quick uh, outro to yourself and uh, sure. like. Yeah, um, you can find me at that link that I just dropped there. Like I said, I stream multiple days a week. Uh, usually these days I'm doing a lot of gaming because all my creative stuff is being filmed for the YouTube show, which is going to be launching hopefully very, very, very soon. I've already got the intro video up for it right now on my YouTube channel, which I do not have the link for right now. Just look for Sir Jester. Um, but yeah, beyond that, uh, you'll catch me bopping around Twitch a lot whenever I'm not invited to one shots or running <laughs> one shots myself, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's about it. Cool, man. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, John. I run Abrax Press I play the Expanse role-playing game, like, non-stop. Dude, we have, like, I don't know if you know, but we have over, like, 100 hours of gameplay now. Damn! Like, yeah, we, we have, we have, over, we have, like, 60-some-odd episodes or some shit, and, like, it's, yeah, it's out of control. Our, our game right now is, like, it's yeah i don't know how we did it like i just i don't know what i'm doing i, I don't know and y'all how... just brought in robo yeah we had him on earlier in the year um we had him on one of the um we had him on for a single episode it was a lot of fun uh jorge's a blast and he's coming back actually he's replaying his character for uh our charity stream here our horror charity stream we did we did our, our first horror charity i talked about that like, actually i probably should promote the fuck i'm doing for a change yeah um so on uh, we have two things this, this month. Uh, October 19th, we actually have April Reagan playing with us. Uh, she's a good friend of Maria's and big Expanse geek, so we wanted to have her on. And um, that's going to be a fun game. But uh, the 26th, we're doing our charity game, which is a one-shot. Um, and we have Donna from our show, Maria from our show, uh, Jorge, Lynn, who did our art, uh, and uh, Lauren Urban actually uh uh, was recommended by Jorge. I was like, hey, you got you guys don't want me to bring in. He's like, yeah, bring in Lauren. Right. So I asked Lauren. Lauren's never played Expanse, and Lauren really wants to play in our system and try a sci-fi, especially a hard sci-fi Lauren's game. Awesome. Lauren is awesome. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. And I Lauren does not know the Expanse. Hadn't even watched an episode. And I was like, I was like, you gotta watch. You watch like the first episode, <laughs> get an idea for it, like how rough it is. Um, and hopefully she's hooked. Um, but I kind of explained. I had kind of explained the the future, the history of the future. But we're playing a one shot called uh, Hemos Rise. I always try to make all my all my all my one shots and my things sound like book title, the book titles are you know for the yeah. sort of thing. And um, we're gonna run that. They don't even know what the premise of it is. Like they don't even, they just know they're all gonna be on a planet. That's it. And they're cut off. It's during the it's during the uh, the free navy conflict, so they're cut off. But they're on a very stable colony. That's like a coalition colony. Um, and then. Um, We'll have a lot of fun. Our horror, our horror one last year was Escape from Eros, where they're basically the Eros thing starts happening while they're on it. Oh no! So, yeah, we played modified ten candles using the churn mechanic, so like everyone fucking died. That was the guarantee. Everyone's gonna die, and it was dirt. It was a it was a good fucking game. I am very proud of, of Escape from Eros. Um, it was it was nasty, like towards the end. Yeah, because it's escape. You you don't escape, and Eros is just a whole heap of shit. Um. And so that one was a lot of fun. Um, and so I've been trying to pull off these kind of little interesting one shots here and there. I got one, I got one I'm working on for February for my birthday. And then um, I got, but this, this Hemo's Rise one should be a lot of fun. Um, and then Morana Cycle is the one we just did, which was my first time I've actually run like a, like a four or five hour session of this. 
Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that was actually Josh Simon's idea. He was like, hey, you thought about just bringing back an all-guest charity game? And I was like, yeah, let me pull something together. And we did one where they managed a colony. Um, and so uh, they had a, it was, we called it, as I, as I call it, it's middle management in space, the RPG. Um, <laughs> that's what the game was. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of funny because, like, they didn't, like, uh, London, who hadn't played with it before, he was still pretty new to the Expanse. He watched a little bit of it. But he like, he was like, "Oh shit, I'm in, I'm the governor of this thing." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, you're the final say, man. Like, you're in charge. Like, get get used to it." And he and like by the end of it, he was kind of man. This job sucks. Like, he's like, he's like, I have to make hard decisions. This shit sucks. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's the job, dude." Like, um, you know. So I, I really I, I like having a lot of fun with that, and I um, it, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. But yeah, uh, we have we're coming we're back next week with a normal episode. After that, we have April Reagan playing with us. And then we're uh, we do Kindless Rise and then we're back through November and a little bit in December. And then I think we're on a break into January. And then we're actually we're, we, did, we, did, we couldn't pull off last this last year, but we're going to pull off this next year. We're going to do um, Abrax Christmas live at um, OrcaCon. Uh, Donna, nice. Donna, Donna, basically like it's her. It's her convention. She she does the whole thing. And um, we're going to do that live up there, up in um, south side of Seattle. Have a lot of fun mm-hmm. with that so we're looking forward to that and plus i've met i've met most everyone in person but that'll probably be the time i meet like all of us will actually be together in the same room nice um, yeah it'll be fun so i got i got some stuff planned out uh with it but uh hemos rise is our next one and it's a horror shot and i won't kid you the expanse does pretty good horror i mean if you watch the show and the book it starts off with a horror scene i mean it's fucking it's event horizon dude like, yeah straight up you know it's 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 lovecraftian cosmic horror um and uh, it, it, it does it quite, it, I like it because it's always, I like, I like it, the show because it, it keeps that horror element kind of under the surface for a very long time. You almost, to a point where you forget about it. Mm-hmm. And then like when it comes back on Eros, you're like, God damn it, this, this shit again. This yeah. is bad. This is really yeah. bad. Um, yeah, so a lot of fun with all that. So I got some stuff fun. I do want to get you in on Jester. That's why I was kind of, kind of questioning you on it. I got to figure out when. That's our biggest problem is I, 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 I've been told um by people i respect i will say that they, this wasn't like some just jabroni online um they uh and i can say jabroni because i ran for a bunch of guys that were out of new jersey professionally uh <laughs> i actually said that shit in front of them and they all sort of laughing and i was like did i say did i use it right they're like yes you did <laughs> they, gave me, they gave me their approval to say jabroni yeah. um uh and uh I, I know it was funny because I said, "Yeah, you slayed the jabroni, no problem." <laughs> and one of them started fucking laughing. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, they um, the problem is I, I have uh, I, I bring a lot of guests on the show because it's actually a pretty conducive game to bring guests in, like mm-hmm. um, because you're kind of going station to station and, and space to space, and there's always like little things here and there. Um, and so I like to bring people in, kind of have kind of a storyline, and and, I, and my my uh. It, the the players then and the NPCs they exist in the world. So actually, when we did the one shot from Marine Cycle, uh, the MP an NPC from the game actually appeared in that, and then Jorge is actually coming back as a character you played in our stream uh, on on the agreement and understanding that it, because it is a horror stream, I can kill you, Jorge. I can kill you. Like that's that's the deal. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you're gonna die, but if you do, you've already accepted it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and so I like, I like doing that and bringing the guests in there. And unfortunately I have, I, I, I don't want to say I overbooked, but I booked to the gills. 
<laughs> so that's good. No, that's no, totally good. And we're we're very we're we're a stream that's very proud to say that um we we do pay our cast and we do pay our guests uh for their time. Not for charity streams, street charity streams, it's charity guys. Yeah. Charity. That's the understanding. That's that's the deal. But um we we have had a lot of success with it and uh we appreciate everyone that comes on. Um and I do I would like to have you on Zero because you are a fan and you're enthusiastic. And I think you could bring um some of your Makerhood, maker esque, sure. Maker makerness. That's not really bad. Makerness sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. To the to the to the game and, and uh, play play a character that has a lot of fun with that. Um, sure. But it's all, I'll I'll keep you I'll keep you on the I'll keep you on the view here. I gotta figure out. I, I probably it'll probably end up being next year honestly because I'm just like oh, man. Yeah, that's fine. Is the time, man. So, but uh, everyone, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I'm uh, I'm gonna message everyone here through uh, Twitch and let you all know your Bandcamp codes and where to redeem them. Uh, thank you again for hanging out. I I can talk too much, guys. I go eat dinner. I go eat dinner. Good stuff. All right, uh, we're gonna play you out, everyone. Uh, the bumper zero. Say bye, and then we're out. Bye. All right, later, guys. <laughs>